Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online. Glad you're here at Hope. If you're our guest, welcome. Thanks for being here. We're glad you're here. If you, you need anything, just let us know. We're going to be out in the lobby uh, at every campus, and so we'd love to meet you and, and help you in any way. We're in the second week of a series called The Genius of Generosity, and it's based out of Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and Jesus is being quoted here, it is more blessed to give than to receive, and most of us know that. Even if you're not a believer, you know how good it feels to give to, to someone else maybe in need or just to give to someone on a, on a special occasion. And uh, so in this series, we're, we're not just talking about money, although last week uh, we started that. Week one was generous in giving, and, and I asked you four questions. I asked all of us four questions. Here are those questions. Uh, the first one is, have you prayed and thought about how much you should be giving? The second question is, is what I am giving ever sacrificial? In other words, is it just a, a little bit of our surplus, or is, are, are there times in which, not all the time, but are there times in which there's a sacrifice involved? The, th- the third is, do we excel in this act of giving, or is it a real struggle for us? And then, this is a, an important one, is where we are giving advancing God's kingdom? Today, I want to talk about generous in heart, and then next week we're going to talk about generous in, in gratitude. Uh, the heart is an interesting study, scripturally and spiritually speaking. Jeremiah, verse 9 of chapter 17, says it this way, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. And how many know this to be true? Look straight ahead. But, right, there's, there's some things about us. Now, there's some good things about us, good things about our heart, but there's times in which it's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That's obviously an ungenerated heart. When the Holy Spirit comes in, that's what he's transforming. He's he's transforming our hearts so that we become more and more like Jesus. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else because this determines the course of your life. So our heart is an important part of the spiritual direction of our lives, as well as the general direction of our lives. Last week, I read the scripture in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says it this way, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So the heart is the central, it's kind of the central place of the spiritual life in which it's either going in the right direction or it's going in the wrong direction. It's, an, it's a very important part of our relationship with God. It's a very important, important part of our relationship with each other. So today, I'd like to submit to you a few thoughts on how do we enlarge our hearts? How do we become generous of heart? A few things. Here's what we're going to talk about. A heart of humility, a heart of grace, and a heart of forgiveness. I think these are, now these are easier, all of these are easier said than done. These are easy for me to put on a screen, much harder for me to live. Um, but, I also, but, but I really do think it starts with the heart of humility. 
This is where everything, in my opinion, where everything starts. You can't really give the way uh, you, that pleases the Lord with a heart that is not right. So there's two things about this humility of heart. Humility before the Lord and humility before others. Isaiah, let's talk about uh, before the Lord. And this is, guys, if you're going to check out on me at any time, don't do it right now, okay? If, if I'm boring right now and you're, you're a teenager and you're just like, oh, I'm so tired. Mom and dad made you come. You're lucky you have parents that made you come. <laughs> all right, all right. You know Papa John loves you. All right, Isaiah. So we're talking about, we're talking about this. So if, so if you want to check out on the message, check out later. Don't, not right now. This is the most important part. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2. Here we go. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? It's an interesting thing that God, that, that, that's the love, that is the, the care, the, the heart that God has for us. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine, but you're the most important. That's what he says. And I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, <clears throat> excuse me, who tremble, at my word. There, there is something to be said, and, and, and let me say it like this, and, and I know some of us don't like the, the, the thought of this, but the fear of the Lord, I think we have lost in many ways in our Christian culture these days. And I'm not talking about a bad kind of fear where we're just, we're always so scared he's going to discipline us and, and, and hit us and, and, and that kind of fear, but I'm talking about a reverent fear that we know that we know that he is in control and that everything that we have in our lives that's good, everything that we've accumulated, the talent that we have, the personality that we have, the amount of money that we have, the job that we have, the family that we have, it all comes from him. And that starts with a, a heart that knows that. And many of us don't know that. Many of us kind of have this dual uh, partnership. You know, God, hey, you do your part, I'll do my part. And, and I'll bring, I'll do the, the, the stuff that I want to do, and you bless it. That's a prideful heart. That is, that is, a, that is a, a thought process where, whereby we say, I have accumulated, I have, and that's exactly what the enemy, Lucifer, the angel, archangel who became the devil, Satan, thought, I will ascend to the Most High God. I will put my throne above him. And that's many times what we do. This humility of heart, James describes like this in chapter 4, verse 13. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? This is an interesting way to look at this, but your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. I think, I think that there's times in which we act this way before the Lord. We, we decide that we're going to uproot our families, we're going to move across the country, and we're going to do what we want to do, take a job that's more money. And all. I'm not saying that many of us haven't prayed about that, but a lot of times we just make decisions. We just make decisions. We just say, hey, I'm going, over, I'm going over here tomorrow, I'm going over there. And, and I remember growing up, there was this saying, if the Lord wills. How many remember this saying? If the Lord wills, then we will, and I know that's kind of an old-fashioned thing, but how many understand 
That's what he says we ought to say. There's a humility that comes with our lives before the Lord, and I know he's given us a grace to live our lives. He's given us common sense. I'm not saying that we don't have a brain, that we don't have thoughts and wisdom that he gives us, but man, if we don't humble ourselves before the Lord, our heart shrinks and it becomes inward focused and we lose the understanding that every breath we breathe comes from him. In him we live and move and have our being. And when you get outside of that, you become prideful. And 1 Peter chapter 3 talks about, the, chapter 5 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when there's this thought of, I'm going to make my plans, I'm going to go to that college, I'm going to go to that school, I'm going to take that job, I'm going to move here, I'm going to do this, without, without a, a, a prayer, without a, God, if it's your will, I'm going to go to that college. God, if it's your will, I'm going to take that job. If it's your will, I'm going to marry that person. If it's your will. See, this is the way we approach the Lord. And a generous heart starts with this. It starts with this. Let me put it on the screen like this. We cannot confuse anything we have or do in our lives as if it is a result of our own ability. It starts with him. It finishes with him. Humility understands that God is our source, period. Every good gift comes from the Father of light. So your retirement little nest egg that you have your career that you've, you've worked so hard and all that stuff, that, that comes from God. That, that comes from God. There, even, even if you're not a believer, let me just say, even if you're not a believer, the Scripture tells us that, hey, it's only because of God's presence, it's only because of God's goodness that anything good in this life happens. And that's, that's where it starts, humble before the Lord. And I think, man, there's some of us that need to repent of our pride, of our arrogance, of our pretentious plans, of our, like, I'm going to just do it and he can bless it or not. I don't really give a rip. We'll take, well, I'll take that up with him when I get there. Yeah, you, you, no, you better be scared. <laughs> and I'm, I mean that in a good way because God is a good God. Amen. And that, that whole thing, I, I bless a contrite heart. We just sang that song. His goodness is running after us. When you're humble, when you have a contrite heart, his, he, he wants to bless. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to have a great, abundant life. But we have to humble ourselves before him and continue that. Now, it, it's not only this way, but it's also this way. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says it this way. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but, but take an interest in others too. Ephesians 4.2 says it like this, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Oh, let me put it on the screen like this. Of all the people on the planet, it should be followers of Christ who walk in humility before others. There, there is a there is a. a, a there is a, a, an influence that we lose as believers when we, we come across to a world that is non-believing in Jesus, that is not yet followers of Jesus, as when we come across as prideful, when we come across as arrogant, when we come across as self-righteous. It doesn't mean, listen, I just want to make this clear, it doesn't mean that we don't stand for righteousness. 
And if you've caught that with my teaching on love and, and humility and so forth, even in the political realm, that we don't stand up for righteousness. That's not what I'm saying. That is not true. I believe we stand for righteousness and we live in righteousness. But let me just tell you, judgment begins in the house of God. Who are we to tell other people how to live? I mean, it starts right here. It starts right here. And when there's a lack of humility this way, as believers, we lose influence. And Paul, Scripture says, hey, be patient with others, thinking of them as better than yourselves. So there's a humility of heart. Guys, this is where it starts. Everything else that I've talked about, generous in giving, what I'm going to talk about, uh, today, what we're going to talk about next week, it all starts right here with a humility of heart just saying, Lord, thank you. I humble myself before you. And I humble myself before people. I believe that's where a generous heart starts. Now, the second is a heart of grace. Now, this is an, an important piece. This is an important part of our lives. Matthew chapter 7, again, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says it like this, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is called the golden rule or the platinum rule, if you want to say this is This is the rule. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is just a heart of grace. And many of us, our heart has shrunk and our grace, patience, our grace level has gone down rather than up. There's a story in Luke 15 that Jesus tells you know the story very well. There's a story of a lost sheep, lost coin, and then the prodigal son. There are a series of stories that, that, that he told at the same time. And I know you know the story, but in case you don't, he tells the story of a, a father who has two sons, and the younger son wants his inheritance right now. He's tired of, of living under his father's rule, and he wants to go live his life. And the father gives him the inheritance and he goes off and he wastes the money on wickedness, on riot, uh, unrighteous living. And there's a famine in the land. He loses all his money. And he is as poor and outcast as he's ever been. And he gets to the point, he gets to the, 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 the humility of thought that he says, you know what, I, I, I don't know where else to turn. I'm, I can't even eat. I need to go back to my father and maybe he'll just hire me as a, as a servant. You know the story. He comes back and... And the father sees him coming down the road, and the father on the front porch runs to him, a picture of God and a picture of those of us who rebelled and, and been disobedient and done our own thing, and we come back. God's not like, oh, see, I've told you so. How'd you like that? Well, how'd that work out for you? God's not like that. Now, I know your parents are, but God's not like that, right? God's not like, he's, he runs. He runs to us when we come back. And it's a great story, and he says, man, let's have a party, let's get the barbecue out, let's get the music going, and let's celebrate because my lost son, my lost son has come back. And that's the father's heart toward us. And maybe you're here today and you, you're away. You're, you're like a prodigal son. that you've, you've just maybe been hurt in church. Maybe you were, I don't know, you, you were raised in a home that was hypocritical and you just thought, man, this God stuff, this church stuff doesn't, doesn't pan out, and, 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 but yet you're here. And maybe you've been running and today you're back. We say, we're so glad you're back. Amen. And the heart of God says, we love you. The heart of God says, we forgive you. The heart of God says, come and be restored. Be restored, not as a servant. Be restored as my son. Right. But that's not the end of the story. 
There's an older brother who's out in the fields working and he comes back and he hears the music and he hears the, sees the dancing and he's like, what in the world? What's happened? And one of the servants says, hey, your brother's home. And he gets angry. He won't go in. Here's the rest of the story. 15, Luke 15. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, <clears throat> now, you ever say this to your spouse when your kids do something crazy? That's your family. It takes after your family. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't even have the, the, the decency or the heart to say when, when my brother is home. And I'm, Dad, I don't want to feel like this, but I do feel like this. I feel like it's unfair. You know, he doesn't have that kind of heart. He says, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Now, the, the, the whole point of the story is in the first verse of chapter 15, where, where it states that the religious leaders have a serious problem with Jesus because he hangs out with notorious sinners, even eats with them. That's the reason Jesus tells them these stories. God is the, the father. We are the younger son, those of us who've rebelled. And the older brother are the religious leader. The older brother is the religious leader. Who was, listen, who was unwilling to bestow grace on his brother. And many of us, now I know it's, this is, a, this is a, like an extreme story, but many of us are the same. Many of us uh, refuse to extend grace to others who have, who have messed up, who have made a mistake, who, who, who've fallen to the trap of sin or, or whatever, and the, and the church is really good at this, ostracizing and judging and alienating and marginalizing those like this younger brother. And Jesus makes, tells this story to make a point that a heart of grace, let me, let me put it on the screen, that a heart of grace treats others the way we want others to treat us. And now this is easier said than does, done, isn't it? As trivial as it is, if you've ever been in line at a Whataburger, you know that it is hard to extend grace. <laughs> hey, I am born and raised in Texas. Whataburger is a Texas tradition. Love you guys. So if you're watching, I love you. Love, we all love you. Get your act together. <laughs> we don't care if the meat's already done or not. Let's go. Let's get this stuff going. I was there this morning, waited 20 minutes for a biscuit. It's hard. It's hard to show grace when it is consistently. Amen. You're right. It's got me irritated, and we need to fix it. But it's, it's, isn't this easier said than done? It really is. And when you've messed up, 
And you love it. We love it when we receive the grace. We love it when we're forgiven. We love it when we're just like, oh, okay, thank you. And, and the son, you know, is, is, the younger son is, didn't come in with any pride. He didn't come in with like, well, I came back. Lucky for you, I came back. No, he, he came back humble. He came back, hey, if I could just serve, if I could just go in the fields, I'm not even asking for a position back. I just... Then the older brother, he just wouldn't do it. No, 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 no. You're going to pay for what you've done. A heart of grace is easier said than done. But is there anybody in your life right now that you've been very hard on? And I know this is complicated. This is not all cut and dry, easy, as we'll talk about in forgiveness. There's complications to this. People taking advantage of your grace, taking advantage of your heart and, and all that. So I know there's some boundaries that need to be established and so forth, relationally speaking. But I'm just talking about in a general way. There's many of us who want the grace and actually have received the grace this way, but refuse to give it this way. How dare we become like the religious leaders? Let's, let's enlarge our hearts, a heart of grace, a heart of grace, treating others the way we want to be treated. Now, the third one, and this is an important one too, this is probably one of the hardest, heart of forgiveness. A heart of forgiveness is, is, again, let me just, before I get into the scripture, let me just say this is complicated. And many of you sitting right now have people in your lives that you are, you know, kind of holding hostage because of what they've done to you. And it's real. You have a father, you have a mother, you have an ex-husband, an ex-wife. You have a son or a daughter who, have, who has hurt you tremendously. And there's bitterness there, resentment because of the deep wounds that you have. Those are real and those are human. It's not wrong to have those emotions. We are who we are. But I do say, I want, I want to say that it is not right to keep stay there. And the real person that you're holding hostage, the real person who's in prison is you. When we choose to withhold forgiveness. Colossians chapter 3 says it perfectly. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, Jesus, I know we don't like this Many of us don't like this story because it's very pointed, but let me read it. Matthew 18, it's the famous story of forgiveness, but I think it's important. Let's, let's, let's look at it. Then Peter came to him and asked, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. In other words, limitless. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the, de the de debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay for the debt. Now, this was a normal thing in the first century. You, you couldn't pay a debt, refused to pay a debt. In other words, you, you had a certain amount of time to pay it back. You couldn't pay it back. You'd be thrown into what's called debtor's prison where you would work it off. And sometimes your family would be thrown into that same thing. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. 
Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him. And not just said, okay, well, pay me when you can. He forgave him of his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were ticked. They were upset. They, they went to the king and told him everything that, that had happened. Then the king called in the man and forgiven, and he said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sisters from your heart. The person, and and I know this is complicated, but hear me clearly. The person who is in torture with unforgiveness is you. When we choose to to, uh, to withhold forgiveness, I know unforgiveness is not a word, but but when we choose to withhold forgiveness, we're the ones tortured. We're the ones in prison. Now, and this is easier said than done. I know that. I've been hurt. When we started this church, first month of our church, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but, but man, I was hurt deeply. And I'm not, a, I'm not that kind of a guy. I'm not the kind of guy that holds grudges and is, you know, revenge. Oh, I will find you and I will kill you. I'm not that guy. I'm just like, okay, whatever. But this, this wounded me, probably unlike any other wound that I've ever had in my life. At the beginning of our church, and, and it was so hurtful, and I would try to make it right. I'd reach out time and time again, call, 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 wouldn't pick up. Call his secretary, wouldn't let me in, wouldn't let me talk, wouldn't, have a, wouldn't even schedule a meeting. I said, I'll fly there, and I will meet with you, and I will Ask for forgiveness. No, it wouldn't mean. Well, what happened in my heart was bitterness and resentment. I, I was so bitter, not at exactly what he had done, but I was bitter that you won't even give us the chance to talk. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's the, this, these thoughts. And, and so I was talking on the phone with one of my friends. In fact, the friend that had prayed with me a year and a half before we started Hope. Hope was birthed not on January 9th, 2000. It was birthed in 98 and 99 when I prayed for a year and a half, not knowing what God would do, but my friend would meet me at the church and we would pray every day except Thursday together. Every day we just met and we prayed and we prayed. So I was talking to that friend on the phone and he brought up this person just in passing. He wouldn't bring it up. for me. And I said, hey, you know what? Just do me a favor. Don't ever mention his name again. He called me back a few minutes later and he says, hey man, I, I, the Lord wouldn't let me, the Lord wouldn't let me alone with this, let you alone with this. John, if you, don't, if you don't handle that bitterness, if you don't give that to the Lord, your heart will shrink and, and you'll not be the pastor that he's called you to be. You'll not be the man of God or the, you know, the Christian he's called you to be. And so he held me accountable to that. So I, listen, listen I, I know what it's like to be hurt. And many of you, way deeper than that. I understand 
all these things. But let me put some things on the screen to kind of help you. Authentic forgiveness is not an option. Let me just tell I don't care what the violation is or the sin is. Authentic forgiveness is not an option. You and I have been forgiven of our sin. We are commanded, instructed, obligated to forgive those who've hurt us, who have violated us. And let me tell you, let me help you to understand when you're in inauthentic forgiveness. In other words, when you say forgiveness with your mouth, but then you do some things where you know you've not really forgiven. Let me give you a few of them that I've thought of. Continuing to tell the story with bitterness. You're telling your you know, conversation and you're, and you're talking about this thing and you're telling it with bitterness. You, I mean, there's just, there's just really, really hardness, hatred maybe even in your heart and you keep telling that story with bitterness. Maybe you're inauthentic when you're holding on to the violation and you bring it up in anger at, 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 the, at the, just the right time. Maybe you've had a husband or a wife that's done something in the past, but yet you've, you've decided to stay together, but at the right time, you just keep bringing it up. You keep bringing it up. Can I just tell you, inauthentic forgiveness. Maybe niceties in front of the person, then, then you talk trash behind their back. That's when you know you haven't forgiven. Now, again, I'm not telling you forgiving is easy. I'm not telling you it's, it's, it's a piece of cake. You just need to do it or you're not a good Christian. It's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. In fact, let me, let me put it on the screen like this. Forgiveness does not mean you become a doormat. It doesn't mean that they're not parameters and, and, and boundaries. Okay, I'm not saying that, that, that there's you, you, you forgive that person and you just have to let them back in your life 70 times 7. That's, that's not exactly, that's not what, in my opinion, what Jesus meant. But you forgive doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat. The next one is forgiveness does not mean you must stay in the relationship. It doesn't mean you have to stay in that and be abused and, you know, violated and sinned against totally. No, you can forgive and move on. Next one. Forgiveness is a choice sometimes every day until it becomes permanent. Sometimes you just have to keep releasing. Let me just tell you something. It's hard to hate someone when you pray for them. You ever, you ever found that out? It is hard to continue hating someone and continue to, to be bitter towards someone when you pray over them. Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. Bless those who despitefully use you. Now, I know that's not popular. I know that's not what you want to do. You want to open a can. I know, I get it. But what does Jesus tell us to do? I'm we're just talking about a generous heart here. If you don't want to have a generous heart and you want to have a shrinking heart like the Grinch, go for it. Be that way. But let me tell you, you lose. You lose. You're in bondage. You're the one isolated. So when you came in, <clears throat> you got a card that looks like this. Would you get that out? If you didn't get one, just put, pick one up at the, uh, on the way out. Would you get this card out? On the back, it's, it's blank. There's a pen, hopefully, in the seat pocket in front of you or behind you. 
Here's what I'd like for you to do. We're going to sing a song. It's my favorite song that we're singing right now. It's a surrender song. I don't know the name of it. It's just good. It really is. It's so good. This is my surrender. You know, it's that new one that we do. Okay. They're going to sing that, but I don't want you to stand right away. Across all of our campuses, here's what I want you to do. I, I just want you to, if, if there is something between you and God, that you've been prideful over, that you have not been repentant, that you just keep on just making your plans, doing your thing. Maybe it's that way. Maybe there's a humility thing that you have with, with others. Maybe there's a grace thing that you have with those or a forgiveness thing. Would you just write down while they're singing in, a, in an attitude or spirit of prayer, would you just write down some of the things that the Lord brings to your mind? Maybe it's a person's name that you need to send an email or even call and just say, hey, would you forgive me? Maybe you're waiting for them. And listen, I know this is complicated, but what do you do when they say, I don't wanna to talk to you? What do you do? You keep praying. You pray over them every day. You just bless them and you pray that God helps them and that your heart, let me just tell you, the more you pray for somebody that you're, not liking, the less you can continue not liking them. You're going you're gonna to develop a love for them. So while they're singing, I want you to write down what the Lord speaks to you. What is he saying to you? I believe this is such an important part, not just for this season, a heart of grace, a heart of forgiveness, a heart of humility, but, but for all seasons. Maybe you're here today and you're very small. You're acting very small. Why don't you enlarge your heart and say, Lord, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I want to pray over. As they sing, you do that. And then when you're ready, I want you to stand and I want you to sing this song in authenticity and worship before the Lord with all the faith that you have. Lord, we love you and we're so grateful for your heart of forgiveness and grace and mercy toward us. Help us to live that way. But we start with you. And if there's anything between us, hope, hopefully we can humble ourselves before you and ask for forgiveness, get that right, and then begin the hard work of forgiving and showing grace and humility to others. God, help us to not be prideful in this moment, to not be careless in this moment, but to be serious humble and obedient. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.